Sponsored by GoRealm, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. Episode 16's guest is the University of Northern Iowa's co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, John Bond. Coach Bond will share his knowledge on the quarterback position and explain the drills, skills, and traits he looks to recruit and develop at the collegiate level. Coach then will introduce the techniques and teaching points that have led to successful run game development at many of his coaching stops. Finally, Coach will also explain the reasons behind UNI's red zone success and what concepts work best within this area of the field. John Bond is also the author of Developing a Championship Quarterback, a book that focuses on quarterback development, and he'll give the audience a preview of what to expect by purchasing this book. Intentionally Grounded is currently enlisting the services of guest bloggers for the upcoming summer months. We would love to share the vast knowledge of our coaching community and be a collection spot for all the football and coaching-related materials. If you'd be interested in writing as a guest post, contact John or I, and we'd be happy to set something up. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our current and previous blog posts and podcast episodes. And please leave a review on one of our podcasting networks, such as iTunes or Stitcher, and help share and grow our program with others. Enjoy our latest guest, Coach John Bond. We're here this week with John Bond, the quarterback's coach of the University of Northern Iowa. Coach, tell us a little bit about your background as a coach. Well, I've been, I guess I'm going on my 32nd year as a college football coach. I've been a coordinator for the last 20. I've been a coordinator at Illinois State, uh, West Point, Northern Illinois, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, UMass, Tennessee Martin, and now Northern Iowa. Been coaching quarterbacks since 1991. Coach, throughout your staffs in the NCAA, how has the game evolved over time and in your coaching profession? Oh, it's changed a lot. It's, it's changed a ton. You know, offensively, uh, when I first broke in, it was a lot of eye formation, and, and uh, the coverages were, you know, cover two and cover three. And, it, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, there was some man coverage and things like that, but it's, it's, it's changed and evolved a lot. I mean, offensively now, you know, with the no huddle and the spread and going fast and, and uh, you know, trying to create uh, space for your guys as opposed to, you know, throwing, up, throwing it up in there between the tackles, uh, you know, was certainly a, a big change as far as the evolution of the game. And, again, defensively, when I first came in, I mean, you used to have, you know, basic coverages with, with – room to run and, and now man these quarters coverages that people are playing they're squatting those safeties in there at seven and eight yards and fitting an a or a b gap and a heartbeat and, and uh it, it, it's changed a lot the recruiting has changed now in so much earlier and it, it's 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 a different game than when i first started that's for sure Coach, you mentioned that you work with the quarterbacks, and when you're recruiting a quarterback, what are some of the things you look for in a potential quarterback recruit? And then maybe on the flip side, what are some of the red flags that you kind of use to discard some recruits? Well, the number one thing I look for, I've always believed in being balanced offensively. I believe that, you know, I just mentioned earlier with the way people are playing defense now, I mean, if you, you've got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to throw the football. And, teams that can't throw the football unless you're running the wishbone offense it's it's hard to win the championship so I, I believe you've got to be able to run i mean throw the football and i believe that uh, you know you need to be balanced within all that and the, fir- the first thing i look for is a, a quarterback who's accurate 
accuracy is the number one thing that I look for in quarterback. If, if he's not an accurate quarterback, um, he can't play uh, for us. I, I believe that if you, if you don't have accuracy as a quarterback, you really don't have a passing game. So we're looking for a guy who's consistently accurate, and that's pretty easy to see on tape. I mean, you've got you to wade through the highlight tapes and watch game film and do a little homework, but you know you can see it's it's easy to see if a guy's an, an accurate passer or not. So you know that's the that's the number one thing that I look for by far. And again, that, that again that's the number one thing that if a guy is not an accurate quarterback, uh, I really just you know I really don't have much desire to recruit him. Coach, we're going to flip over to a little bit of your practice uh, plans, a practice schedule. Take us through a typical indie period with you and your quarterbacks and some of the drills that you and your guys do. Well, I'm not a great drill guy. I don't don't believe in a lot of quarterback drills, and I know that, um, you know, you watch TV and you watch, you know, call them Nike drills. You know, you got all these guys, you know, chasing quarterbacks with brooms and, Running around dummies and over dummies and all those kind. Of, I, don't, I don't do any of that. I, I don't believe. I don't believe it's realistic. I, I've never seen a quarterback step over a defender in my po- in, in the pocket. And, you know, since I've been coach quarterback since '91, and I've never seen that happen. But yet, I see guys running around cones and stepping over dummies and doing all kinds of stuff like that. I really don't believe is is uh, realistic. I don't think that ha- I've never seen it happen in a game. And, and what I try to do is, is I try to put these quarterbacks in the best situation they can to be a consistently accurate passer. And I believe personally that the best way to do that is to have consistent feet and consistent footwork. Cause I believe that power accuracy and consistency come from the lower body. And you can see it all the way from pop Warner to the pros high school, college, you name it, NFL, you've got guys who aren't consistent with their feet. You know, one time they are got a nice wide base, and the next time they hit and have to move, and they, their feet are six inches apart, and, you know, just all over, all over the place. And I kind of equate I kind of equate that to, you know, when we played a high school basketball. I mean, when we, when we went to the free throw line, we all had a routine. We went to the line, we dribbled the ball once, twice, three times, whatever the deal, you know, spin the ball, get the lay, whatever. I mean, everybody had their routine, and and that's kind of what I equate quarterback footwork to. Is, is I want I want to have a consistent routine, and and we we spend the vast majority. I'll spend ninety percent of my indie period on drops, you know, three step drop, five step drop, underneath in the gun whatever the case may be, play action, footwork, all those kinds of things. Because at the end of you know, all that, I'm, trying, I'm striving to get those guys to have a wide base, which means you know, shoulder width apart or just a little wider. And if you do that, that ensures that you don't overstride. So that that's what I do during my individual career. We will, we will drop and we'll drop and we'll do it on the first day. And we'll, you know, last year we were playing in December in the playoffs and on you know, our last practice we're, we're taking drops because uh again i equate it to basketball if we can make our layups and our free throws we uh, got a chance to be a you know consistently accurate quarterback and a chance to move the chains and score points so that's what i do i don't do i don't do, I don't do a lot of drills we, we drop and we drop some more coach what's your methodology for teaching quarterbacks to read coverage or maybe what are some of the techniques and tricks you've used to help quarterbacks maybe understand coverage a little bit better 
Well, the biggest thing that has, you know, defenses have evolved is safeties. You know, safeties will tell you the vast majority of the time what's getting ready to happen. Their location, they're on the hash, they're off the hash. Is one guy up? Is one guy back? Are they even? Safety location is a big factor in being able to, you know, are, are they playing, you know, they're going to stay two, are they going to roll to some form of three, are they, you know, some form of zone pressure. Uh, th- that's the first thing that we try to lock into. And the second thing, we, the, the biggest, you know, but the second biggest indicator, if not the first, is backer locations because typically backers are going to cheat their alignment to get closer to the gap that they have to hit, and, you know, and all the man and zone pressures that we see. So we'll look at safeties and, and evolve as we go along to backer locations. If, you know, linebackers are cheating one way side or another. If we've done enough film study, we'll be able to have a pretty good idea what type of pressure they're getting ready to do, uh, you know, what type of pressure they're getting ready to run. But safety, safety location for me is by far and away the, the, the thing that we spend the most time doing. Coach, you hit on this a little bit too. You've been an offensive coordinator at a lot of different places throughout your career. Uh, if you had to describe your offensive philosophy, what would it be and why? Well, that's a great question. I get asked that question all the time. You know, what offense do you run? What offense do you run? And it's hard for me to to kind of put it in a box and put a label on it. When I got you know one of my big breaks, I got to be Chan Gailey's offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech. You know, Chan had been the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and he had been the offensive coordinator at Denver when John Elway was a quarterback and won Super Bowl there and was the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers and when they went to the Super Bowl, Cordell Stewart, that bunch. So, uh, you know, he said, I'm, he said, you don't have a name for your offense, do you? And I said, no. He said, because I'm always leery of these guys that, that have a, a name for their offense. But really, if I had to describe it, it would be a throwback to an old coach here in Iowa named Hayden Fry who uh, talked about, you know, scratch where it itches. And that's kind of what my philosophy is. I want to be multiple enough, uh, you know, in formations and movements and motions and personnel groupings. I want to be multiple enough to where if teams are lining up a certain way, uh, that we see on tape, we want to be multiple enough in those ways where we can attack uh, that weakness and, you know, be able to exploit it. So uh, I would say we're a multiple one back uh, football team, a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of 12 personnel. I love tight ends with the way the spread is right now and everybody in the spread and the hurry up and the no huddle and the tempo and the four wides and all that. I really believe that tight ends are can be a differential advantage for your offense. So I'm a big tight end guy. I love 12 personnel. I like to be able to be in and out of heavy formation with those guys and, and be both full up to where if, if we want to get empty with them, we can. So but in a perfect world for me, I, I, I love 11 and I, I love 12. But again, I want to be able to scratch where it itches and be able to attack where we need to attack. Coach, you've been a part of some programs that have had a very strong running game. Uh, what's been the key to you, your success running the ball, and what are some of the run schemes that you've had the most success with? Well, I tell you, I've been fortunate. It's, it's a group effort. You know, you got to have good coaches that work with you, and you've obviously got to have good players. Um, 
the biggest thing that I think that, that helped me early on was I felt like we were kind of on the cutting edge and a little bit at the forefront of, uh, you know, pin and pull, stuff like that, pulling offensive linemen on your outside zone play. I felt like uh, for a long we got a lot of mileage out of that or pin and pull schemes when a lot of people were still full zoning and we were blocking down and, and wrapping guys and trying to create, ang- create angles for ourselves. And I, I believe that, that you know, unless you're Ohio State or Alabama or somebody like that, it's hard to be week in and week out better than people up front. It just is. So I believe you've got to be able to try to create as many angles as you can and I got and, and create as many double teams as you can at the point of attack. So, that's kind of what I try to do. I'm, I'm looking for angles and, and be able to pull guys and stuff like that on your, in your zone schemes and, and, and try to, you know, take something that might be a weakness, a matchup, you know, your guard against a really good three technique and uh, create angles where we can, you know, block down on him and pull around and do something like that to neutralize their strengths. But we had a lot of success. When we were doing that, when I was in Northern Illinois, we had a kid by the name of Garrett Wolf who finished fifth, second, first in the country in rushing, and actually has the highest yards per carry in the history of college football. On I don't know, it's two or three hundred carries. I don't. It's a lot of carries that, but I mean he's he's the top of the list of everybody that's ever played the game, and, and, all, and you know a lot of that was having great players and great skill at running back, but also you know being able to take advantage of uh, our pin and pull schemes and, and, you know, trying to create angles with our guys. Coach, what are some of the teaching points that you, when you try to implement your running game, what are some of those teaching points that you really instill on those guys? I think a big part of it is you've got to be able to marry your running back. It's, it, it's a little bit of work. You know, there are some backs that are suited to, run, you know, zone schemes and, and some just aren't. So, you've got to be able to uh, drill and work patience with your running back. The biggest thing on, that, that I've found on zone plays and inside and outside zone plays is just running your track and being patient and not making cuts until you're almost stepping on your guy's toes. And that's, that's a big part. A big part of running the football is, is having a back that, that is patient and, 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 will be disciplined running his tracks and be disciplined and not cutting up too quick and setting his blocks up for his offensive lineman. The longer he's able to stay on his track, the longer you're able to stay on those doubles and, and let the back, let the linebackers end up fitting it wrong because they've had so far to go and they're, you know, they're pressing just like the backs pressing. And the sooner you quick it up, the sooner he's able to hit his gap. So, that, that's a big part of it. And again, just create in your game plans ways, to, you know, find double teams and, and find angles to where you can help your guys out and, and not be walking up, you know, running uphill all day long. Coach, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the game planning aspect of it. How do you organize your play call sheet on a week to week basis when you coordinate? Well, I've done it a couple of different ways. Uh, how how I break down third down is is I break it down at third one, and uh, then I break down third two to three. A lot of guys just go one to three, but I think there's such a big difference in you know one yard call and a three yard call, 
uh, I, I split those calls up, and then Friday's third meeting is third and four, five, and six, and then uh, we'll go seven and nine and ten plus is how I break that my third downs uh, up as far as the game plans go. And then as far as call sheets go, I'll I'll have my first and second down runs and passes in a column, uh, and th- then I'll break down the situations that you know we just talked about. Uh, coming out, going in, red zone, goal line, that's typically how it's broken down. And then on one the other side or uh, on another sheet is just the inventory of what you have in each formation. So I like to have all of it. The older I've gotten, the more I look at that sheet. And just I've been in so many systems over the years, i I'll have a flashback every now and then, so I'm kind of paranoid about making sure that I'm not calling something I'm trying to run on Saturday, something I called 10 years ago. So I, I, I stick to stick to that pretty good these days. Back in my younger days, I'd get off and put fold it in my back pocket, and here we go. But I tend to stick more. I tend to stick more to that the older I get. Hey, you and I, you guys led the nation in red zone offense this past year. Talk a little bit about what your philosophy is in the red zone and maybe what kind of concepts and schemes you guys really look to exploit there. You know what? I've thought a lot about it. We did lead the nation in red zone offense this year. And I can honestly tell you, we did not, over, uh, what was it, 12, 13 games, we seriously did not put anything fancy uh, in more than two or three times during the, the entire year. What we did was we, we, we worked at what we did. Uh, we spent time on it Wednesday in practice. We split up our, our, our pass scale seven on seven. We split up where we spent half our time in the red zone on Wednesday. And then we actually did what Oregon did. We walked through on Thursday. So we walked it again Thursday. Then we came back again and practiced it on Friday and then uh, you know played on Saturdays. The biggest thing that we did was we just um, we worked we worked it. And we worked it versus the looks we thought we were going to get, and we we just I feel like we were better better at it uh, at what we were doing than our opponents were at defending it. it. We really weren't any magic schemes. We were good. We were a good fade team. We were the best fade team that I've ever been around. And we had a kid that went to the fifth round to the Colts this year named Darius Fountain. Who he was a kid who wanted the ball and he was going to go get the ball. And we had a quarterback who had a really nice. Uh, feel for throwing fades and you know we could back shoulder them we could you know we felt like whatever they did they were going to be wrong so that was probably another thing that helped us out was the fact that we were able to throw the fade ball really well down there this year coach what are some of the formations and um, maybe techniques that you kind of prefer inside the red zone like are you when you get into the red zone are you thinking to yourself more to kind of condense the formations are you thinking to be a little bit more exotic what do you prefer well the lower we get i will again i I mentioned 12 personnel i like i I like being in 12 personnel because i really feel like because you know you've got the threat of the run i feel like in a lot of 12 personnel formations you can kind of force single coverage and i feel like if you get single coverage and you know we know where we're going and they don't and you got a quarterback who can throw it i feel like that's a pretty good advantage for us so you know a lot of multiplicity within the 12 personnel groupings to force single coverage 
and then too, you know, the the bunch sets and things like that, restricted mode, you know, short motions and things like that to to get a head start on a defender and man coverage or try to force some guys that aren't comfortable, you know, make them make some decisions as far as, you know, passing stuff off in man coverage or staying locked and, you know, those kind of things. It just kind of, you know, it kind of goes week to week with that. Coach, one situational question as we kind of finish up the interview today. If you had to draw up a two-point play to win a game, as we sit here today, what's your go-to play call? Oh, you know, nothing that not everybody else – I mean, everybody else is doing the same thing. It's when you're running in and picking guys and running a guy to the flat, probably. I say pick. Picks are illegal. We're going in trying to rub guys. <laughs> <laughs> we don't We don't, We don't. don't pick. Uh, you know, we're going in trying to create some conflict with those defenders and trying to make a guy run through a bunch of bodies to the flat is probably the first thing that pops in my head. Um, so that's that would be my answer. Coach, and our last question for you is you, you just released a book called Developing a Championship Quarterback. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and what our audience can expect to learn from reading it. You know what? I You'd think, you know, as, as long as – if a guy does something long enough, you'd think he'd be pretty decent at what he does. And I, what I really did, it, I, I, I just thought about, uh, you know, the things I believed in, the things I've watched and seen and learned over the years and I think there's 13 chapters in it and honestly it was very easy to write uh, as far as I mean it wasn't like I was struggling to you know figure out what to write next because it's stuff I've done over the years and seen and, and believe in and it, it's stuff like uh, you know how to throw with power accuracy and consistency uh, just the body mechanics and lower body fundamentals that I believe in it, 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 it runs the gamut from, from that, to, you know, a year round, what a quarterback's year round regimen should look, should look like as far as, you know, the weight room and stretching and, you know, winter, summer, spring and fall kind of broke that down. Um, we talked about um, within that chapter, you know, things to, to be proactive as far as taking care of your shoulder joints and ice and all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, like pre-snap reads, post-snap reads, uh, the things you're looking for in a quarterback. You know, I told you accuracy is the number one deal. I talked about, you know, things that, that we look for and then things that are overrated as far as guys uh, when they recruit quarterbacks or look for quarterbacks. I talked about, you know, a guy being – you know, having a great arm. It's certainly a great arm is not a prerequisite to being a really good quarterback. A, a great arm uh, would be nice, but, you know, those guys that only have one pitch, it's sometimes, you know, that's not, they're hard to catch. Uh, the ball's hard to catch. It, they create problems, those one pitch pitchers. I like to have a guy that's got a change up, you know, a guy can take pace off the ball and, and do some things like that. I talked. There's a chapter in there, drills for problem throwers. So things over the years that I've seen, and drills that I use to, to try to fix, um, you know, guys that 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 have some issues, whether it be you know dropping their elbow or or footwork issues or the big you know Tim Tebow circle release, you know those types of things. I've, there's a chapter in there devoted to that. So it's it's. I think it's a pretty good book. I think it's a pretty good book uh, for guys who are 
serious about coaching quarterbacks. It's not so hard to read that, you know, most anybody can understand what we're talking about and, and hopefully be able to help a quarterback or two along the way. Coach, as is tradition on this show, um, we always like to ask our, our guests a, a question that really has nothing to do with football at the end, just to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, if you had mm-hmm. to pick a walk-up song as a professional baseball player or professional wrestler, what would your walk-up song be and why? Gosh, okay, here's my response. What was Chipper Jones? I bet you don't remember. Crazy Train. Yeah, Chipper Jones, baseball player Chipper Jones? Yeah, I played yeah. for the Braves, going to the Hall of Fame this yeah, year. He came up to he came up to Crazy Train all the time. I I spent ten years in Atlanta, so I became a big Braves fan, and, and uh, I caught him at the tail end or middle of the tail end. So I always thought that was a pretty neat walk up song. So I'd have to say Crazy Train. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review either on Stitcher or iTunes, and let us know what you think.